of a series of interviews I'm putting together entitled The Current State and it's the, all about the current state of music right now. It seems that, you know, in the last decade or so digital's taken over, people complain about illegal downloading and how much harder it is to get earn a living from it and, uh, well, it seems that Lots of people are still creating their art and putting amazing music out there and signing artists and playing out and doing everything that happened before. So I was kind of interested in what the reality is for these different artists and all the different facets of the music industry. So uh, I was lucky enough to catch up with Mr Scruff when he was down here a couple of months ago playing his first gig at, um, at the Concord. And he very kindly gave me about an hour of his time, which I've managed to condense down into about half an hour. So this is the first in a series of interviews I'm going to be doing on my show. And I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Scruff. You look as if you wanted a breath of sea air. I want a fish. Well, you got a lovely day for it. Yes, I'm uh, Mr. Scruff. First time at the Concord in 10 years, which is... Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem that long, but I used to play here uh, every month for about five years. Uh, I mean, I'm from Manchester, but I, I played here so often that a lot of people assume I'm from Brighton and, you know, kind of, you know, send me emails and stuff saying, what can you recommend in Brighton and Brighton this and Brighton that? I'm, I'm from Manchester. <laughs> I don't know. I'm the worst person to ask. So he started off by talking about how he got started making music and DJing in the first place. Uh, the, the, the two grew side by side. I mean, that was in the 80s when I didn't have any DJ equipment and I didn't have any recording equipment, so I was kind of using tapes and editing to construct DJ mixes, which is obviously basically using studio techniques. So then I was using drum machines and synth on my DJ mixes and... Um, this was yeah it, it was just basically getting your hands on whatever you could and making noises with it and obviously emulating the records of the day and, and, and the, the DJ techniques of the day without having access to the way that those were created and obviously using either very cheap um, you know guitar pedals and you know and computer cassette recorders and I'd use a computer cassette recorder because it had a, it had a pitch control on it so I was mixing with those because I had, I had, you know, the family's hi-fi turntable. I couldn't change the speed, so it was you dub stuff onto cassette and mix using the, you know, using the pitch on the cassette players. 
with a lot of artists I'm always interested at what point where where they feel that they're onto something so solid that they can kind of give up their day job and pursue it full time um probably the mid 90s I mean I started DJing probably about 84 as a bedroom DJ and I didn't get my first gig until 94 so you know I was quite happy with you know spending 30 40 quid a week on records with the wages from my supermarket job and doing mixtapes for my friends and that was it you know this was I was happy I could buy records I'd, you know I lived in a cheap house within a year of meeting him I had like three or four gigs a week and you know and that was doing all different kinds of things you know quite a few bar residencies um, and playing all different kinds of nights as well and it was it was really good because I think without realising it I built up a very wide knowledge of different kinds of music I mean before my first gig I could mix easily on three decks and that kind of thing and I was mixing techno with reggae and but at least I was equally at home playing really mellow folk music in a bar so it was just like okay you want me to play a load of tropical music tonight great that'll you know get me into that frame of mind and I'll do some more research on that and buy some more music next night's a reggae night brilliant I was keen to know what exactly Mr. Scruff does. Obviously, he's a DJ and a producer, but what other roles does he fulfil in his career? Uh, well, my main things are producing, remixing, uh, DJing, um, planning for the tours, doing all the logistics and stuff like that, or, or basically researching when I get offered a gig. I've got to look at the flights because if we don't fly there direct and stuff then that's going to cause issues with time and sleep and that so basically making sure before I accept any gigs that myself and the crew can get some sleep and we're all going to have a good time yeah yeah I'm a, I'm a control freak and then I design the flyers for all the gigs I'd always done cartoons and, and the, the, the drawing that I use for my flyers now I'm, I'm 44 now I've been drawing that way for since I was 15 so nearly 30 years and I used that kind of cartoon technique to illustrate my first release because I was like, well, you know, I've done a fine art degree. You might not look like it, but I've, you know, and I've I put my first record out. I may as well do the sleeve, and then people liked it. I think the, the sort of slightly, you know, daft approach of my music fitted very well with the, you know, with, with the kind of uh, the intent that was shown in the cartoons of this isn't too serious, and I'm gonna you know, put a load of stuff together and see what happens. So yeah, it was just something where I need a drawing, I can draw, and that kind of became the visual side of what I do. But I think the advantage of, of doing your own imagery is it, is it can it can really pull people in in a different way or attract people into your music. And I think the one very important thing about 
for me about my approach is it, it has to be very welcoming all the time. I can be as nerdy or as in-depth as you like about obscure jazz records or Nigerian high life or whatever, but that doesn't matter if, you know, that, that's not important if all you're playing to is experts on that genre of music. I want someone who's come in who's never heard jazz in a club to go crazy to it and go, what's this? It was jazz. Oh, I didn't think I liked jazz. Brilliant. Come down, have a dance. The flyers show, without explaining anything, that this is not uh, to be taken seriously. I'm serious about the music, but taking the events seriously. This is, this is people getting together and having a good time. And, and for me, having a good mixed crowd and, and being able to play all the music that I would ever want to play in a club not thinking, oh well, this half of my collection is for at home, this half of my collection is is for clubs. It's like, if I like it and it's got me dancing around in the kitchen, this is going to get played in a club. wondered if he'd always had that kind of control over his career where he could be in charge of all the various aspects or whether that was a, a hard one a hard one battle I think I made it very clear that I like to play for a long time and I was up for any kind of music and if it was something if I got asked to do a certain kind of night and I felt a bit like okay this is quite specialist and I don't know I'm a little bit out of my depth. Do your research, buy records, read books, do your research, you know, kind of get involved. So I think, you know, it's all well and good being eclectic, but I think you also need to know how each specific style of music, not should be presented, but how it is pre presented in its kind of specialist and pure form, as well as learning where it comes from. And then when you come to turn up at a venue with a mad array of records and you know and any direction you choose to go in you're not just like oh I've got to beat mix all night or I've got to play on one deck all night or whatever you can just kind of the records tell you how to play them
I find it in, intriguing that I kind of I'm halfway between this kind of lots of different specialist worlds where I've kind of done my timing and I really enjoy that and I love going to a northern soul night or a reggae night or a straight up jazz dance night or a latin night or a deep house night I love that purism but I also love making the connections because none of these specialist scenes come from one thing alone they all they all kind of coalesce from a meeting of different things and you know that that whole thing about it being the right time and then people you know look at northern soul that's people in the north of england discovering rare chicago and detroit soul singles and creating their own scene to such an extent that people in america are blown away by what you listen to this old stuff you know or people who know the lyrics to old tunes better than the artists themselves do you know what i mean which has been seen at many a kind of a northern soul night when some of the original artists have come over and the crowd are singing <laughs> singing along they're kind of taken aback like i recorded this 30 years ago and i completely forgot and and this is an anthem for you Everybody has a different view of the same piece of music and, and, and if you take something out of context from another culture, to you it's weird and wonderful and exotic. To them it's like, you know, obvious, everyone knows it. Oh, my mum likes that tune, you know, I want to listen to some techno. So it's kind of, you know, ev- it, the grass is always greener, but I think if you're, if you're constantly focusing on all these different scenes and making these connections and realising how a lot of people travelled around the world and go, OK, you got that from there and, oh, that hadn't, you know, you... or. You know, like when Fella travelled to LA, for instance, or when you know Malatu came to the UK and all that kind of thing. There's all these mad little connections and stories and little musical fires that get started all over the world, and it's kind of it never ends. As do I never end when you ask me a question about music. <laughs> So just being here at the sound check, I've seen how much care and attention goes into setting up the turntables and the mixer and getting the sound exactly right. And I wondered if that's something that's always piqued his interest or whether that's come more recently. Um, well, I mean, even 20 years ago, I was 
you know, when I was playing at the old Concord in Brighton, not even this one, I was getting the train down to London with two record boxes and a mixer and a bag of socks. And I've always brought stuff to gigs, you know, from the moment I started playing out of town, maybe like 96, 97, you know, I've always been getting on trains, bringing record boxes and at least a mixer and an effects box and a load of cables. As my awareness of of sound quality has developed over the years, I mean, that was more because I used to play on scratch mixes and, you know, using a Pioneer wasn't really an option, so I used to bring Vestax mixes and stuff like that on my own style I and I think over the years it's just kind of got gradually more cumbersome but also more particular uh, to the point where you know if I'm using an obscure mixer that no one else uses there's no point in me putting it on the rider and stressing out the promoter um, you know to get a load of stuff I mean half my stuff's custom made but then it's better sounding than any other DJ mixer The whole purpose of me bringing my own stuff is that, one, I like playing vinyl and I like pulling tunes out of my collection ten minutes before I leave the house to come to a gig. You know, I don't mind transferring stuff, but that's a big job. You know, I've got this stuff, it's a perfect storage medium. A lot of the records in my collection are 50, 60 years old. Um, I never really got fully into the digital thing simply because of the effort involved to transfer stuff. Although, but then I'm spending three or four hours every gig you know setting up and sound checking and making sure the decks don't jump and checking for feedback and all that kind of thing but it sounds amazing um, and I like the fact that I've got all these old original artifacts that I'm pulling out in front of people and putting on and people are seeing me playing vinyl people like that Coming in and spending those hours in the afternoon, setting up and sound checking, you get to make friends with the sound engineer, you get to know the system, you can make any tweaks before, if anything goes wrong, you sort it out well before doors are open. Which means five hours of pure joy and just playing your favourite records rather than, oh, it's feeding back, you know, and having a go at the engineer. It's like, well, why weren't you here before doors? Sorting it out, you know what I mean? From my point of view, if I take care with the sound, if I make sure the venue isn't too packed, if um, you know, there's room to move around, the lighting's nice and dark, just basically a nice inviting place where people can get loose to good music, the better the sound, the more I can play freely without worrying about houses coming across on the system. Um, the, the more pure and open the sound system, the more I can play things that people haven't heard before, the happier I am. Um, which means that I really get off in it then people get off on me getting off and it's kind of it's a cycle that just becomes more intense and, and kind of joyful as the night goes on So this brought me nicely round to 
what he sees as the current state and how things have changed since he's been making a career out of music and what those changes are. Things have changed quite a lot, but at the moment I think what what is required of an artist is generally a lot more than maybe um, you had to do 20 years ago for a lot less financial return as well. But I think it's, but it is. I think the insight you have into the whole way it works, I find really valuable. Um, you know, the fact that you're controlling your own. Well, I think the advent of social media means that you can get in touch with people who like your music. If people have a question, you can be back. 10 minutes if you're online you know what I mean so people like that direct contact um, and I think it's you, you spend so much time in front of crowds of people that actually speaking to some of those people individually whether it's at the gigs or online uh, I think obviously it is something that can be very time consuming if you let it and can get quite addictive so you've got to kind of contain that whole social media thing but if people have a question you can get back and it's kind of only polite and good to do so I think Yeah, I think I would probably be doing a similar thing regardless. I mean, I've been kind of playing in the same way, like playing all night on vinyl for, you know, nearly 20 years now. Um, and I've not really changed, you know, I, I, I play a bit of digital music now. I'm kind of not going to cut off my nose to spite my face going, oh, it's not on vinyl, I'm not playing it. That's ridiculous, you know what I mean? I think the only the only the the only difference is that maybe a lot more you know from a professional and financial point of view, a lot more of a musician's or a DJ's money comes from the act of touring than from from music sales, um, which is fine. I had a lot less than I used to do maybe 15 years ago. I don't mind. I can still buy records, and I don't have to compromise what I do in terms of maybe trying to attract a larger audience to get bigger fees I do exactly what I want to do but that's because I'm so fastidious with my preparation and what I play you know I'm, I'm kind of militant from that point because if I don't enjoy a gig it's going to kill me a bit inside and then it's going to like make it less enjoyable the next night and it's you know I'm going to go from you know maybe over a few year period of loving what I do in, to going oh not another gig you know what I mean yeah, I think you've got to create your own space where you can have absolute freedom and kind of um, authority over what you do. If he had this vision in his head when he started out, or whether it's been a case of trial and error, finding the things that he likes and plotting his course... It's a very delicate balance, but not a, lot, not a lot of this was kind of conscious, a conscious decision, you know, to go, okay, well, I'm going to do my thing this, this, and this way. The graphics came out by accident. I just happened to draw like that, and it happened to illustrate my music, and I've just never stopped because people liked it, and, and the same with playing all night. Oh, not many other people do that. Because I've DJed by myself for so many years, I hardly ever get to see other DJs. I don't know what goes on in the club. You know, I don't know about all the, you know, all the DJs who, who turn up with a memory stick or whether it's any good or not because I'm kind of in my own little bubble. Yeah. 
um, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I, I would like to maybe stay more current and on top of cover releases and all that kind of thing and what's going on. But by the same token, I've created my own little kind of unique thing and people kind of like it that I'm a bit out of touch. room for a guy turning up with custom mixers and bags and bags of records or whether the DJ digital turnover and basically what what the future holds for Mr. Scruff uh, more of the same I think I mean I'm, I mean I'm quite glad that you know the, the whole there seems to be more vinyl releases than ever nowadays and I've just never stopped playing vinyl generally out of not laziness, but not really wanting change, you know what I mean? I, I like vinyl, I like the way it feels, I like the connection that I have to it. I like the fact that youngsters are, are getting into it, or, you know, people my age are, are buying vinyl again, or, you know, you know, people are discovering it as a kind of like a joyful thing. I don't think owning vinyl is a necessary part of enjoying music. I think if, you know, there are, there are loads of ways of enjoying music. You know, people enjoyed music before vinyl. You know, you know, the, the, the medium of vinyl, it might be seen as old school, but it's only, you know, 140 years old. The, the whole thing about having music physically captured on, on a medium in order to be replayed by a device is a very new concept in, in terms of, you know, the whole timeline of, of, of people, you know, making music or dancing to music. There's always been people kind of going, oh, you know, 78 is better than 45, or, you know, 45, 33, or mini disc is better than CD, and it's all nonsense, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, vinyl has shown, I think, by just by its track record of still being, you know, very durable and, you know, an enjoyable process, in the same way that maybe making a pot of tea is more satisfying than putting a bag in a cup, but sometimes you just want to put a bag in a cup, you know what I mean? It's kind of. You know, I, I like the fact, you know, I, if, if I went jogging, I wouldn't want to take a record player with me, you know what I mean? If I put an iPod in and listen to some music. So it's, you know, that, that's the equivalent of the Walkman or the transistor radio. And sometimes you want to hear a poor quality representation of music, but hear it anywhere, whether it's on a building site or, you know, whether you're running down the street or listen, listen to it in the car. Other times you just want to sit down, comfy chair, decent set of speakers, and put an album on and just give your full attention to it rather than it being kind of like a background thing. But yeah, it, it, as, as regards the future of the music industry, I mean, it's kind of, 
it, it's an odd concept. So I do my thing and kind of, thankfully, 20 years later, I'm still making a living from it. I don't know anything much about the music industry, partly because I've just been in my whole, you know, in my own bubble. You know, I, I engage with Facebook and Twitter a little bit, purely out of necessity, really. But I do enjoy the contact that that gives me. But I'm not, I don't know enough about it to, you know, maybe I'm not posting at the right time of day, you know, for optimal, you know, you know, optimized posts and all this stuff. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in mid 40s. You know, I'm a, I'm a balding vinyl freak with a bad back. You know, who, who likes sharing music with people. But I'm not necessarily, the, you know, the best, you know, the, the best at doing it in terms of engaging with technology and stuff. But other people are, you know. I like the fact that you can, you you can learn about music. You know, if you hear a name, oh, I've heard about this obscure Brazilian artist. Ten seconds later, I can be on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the of the future, I'm I'm not the best person to ask. <laughs> for uh, helping me uh, avoid the, uh, the rigours of uh, wiring up the turntables. I think it's sound check time now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play uh, yeah, a, few, a few crackly vinyl records and uh, yeah, get ready for this evening. Thank you.